Well, today is Wednesday, September the 14th, and we normally don't release an episode of The Dispatch on Wednesdays, but there is pressing and breaking legal updates that we want to bring to you. And so we're pleased to have with us our in-house counsel, James Kitchen, with the Liberty Coalition Canada. James, it's great to have you with us. So, so thankful for jumping on on such short notice. And so we want to get right into it. You got a lot going on. There's a number of updates that we're going to be releasing as well today on social media through our email, and it's all related to the Dr. Curtis Wall case. And so if you could bring the, just quickly just kind of bring us up to speed as, as succinctly as you can, what is the Dr. Wall case? What's it all about? And what has been happening just within the last number of days and weeks to bring us where we are right now? Well, it's about a win for free speech. Uh, the college who's been prosecuting Dr. Wall tried to cover their proceedings in complete secrecy com to make it unknown to the public the identities of anybody involved in the prosecution of him for not wearing a mask. And now that has been removed. So that is a big deal for free speech generally, but also for, in the context of COVID, uh, government bodies not making their proceedings secret. We have a serious problem generally when that happens, especially in the context of COVID. So I've been working on this all summer. This has been an issue now for several months um, because Dr. Wall has put in a lot of expert evidence that um, obviously shows that masks are useless and harmful. That's counter-narrative. It's damaging to the government's um, approach and narrative to all this. It's damaging to their image. Um, it's the kind of thing that, that you know people, people uh, don't want coming out. Um, and so there's been an attempt to make that evidence secret. Um, and that was always unlawful, but there was little Dr. Wall could do except for make submissions through me about how unlawful it was, and then the tribunal would have to make their decision. Well, they did. They ordered publication bans. They made secret the identities of everybody involved. But then I drafted a court application, and I gave it to them. And I said, look, we're going to have to go to court over this, where the law is known and sometimes followed, and publication bans are something the court takes very seriously and still really actually follows the law on. And um, the college backed down when they got that court application from me in August. Um, they did not want to go to court over this. They did not want to defend their decisions to impose publication bans. They did not want to go to court and have the world see that they tried to cover this prosecution of Dr. Wall in secrecy. So they consented to the removal of the publication bans. And uh, they've now been lifted in two stages. And so that's what this is all about. My court application and the consent agreement is going to be on the website. Everybody can see what the college did and why it was wrong at law and how they've now backed down. And Dr. Wall can talk about who his experts are. And eventually when there's a decision, because there isn't one yet, we're going to be able to talk about everything and everybody involved in this case. Out in the light, not, not in the middle of the night, not a kangaroo court where you round someone up in the middle of the night when it's dark, but now out in the light for everyone to see and for everyone to be heard and for the identities of people to be known. I mean, this is big. They, the, the thinking was that they could hide this in a closet and, and, and kind of shut down the identities so that we wouldn't be able to know who's saying what. But now we, we know who the witnesses are. We know where the testimony is coming from so that we can see the massive credibility behind a chiropractor who said, I won't force my clients to wear a useless piece of fabric because it's going to do more harm than good. Now people are going to be able to see the actual weighty evidence and the people who are the experts backing it up. So you're right. This is a huge win 
for free speech in the courts, and we're glad to take every win we can get in the last two and a half years. Maybe you could speak to this. You you know, throughout the course of the last two and a half years, I've had a lot of people go along to get along and not push back, not fight and challenge these mandates and these, these decisions because they just assume that the courts are stacked, that they're not in our favor, that they'll, um, that they'll eventually spend a lot of time, money, and effort to then lose a legal ballot or battle. But I want you to speak to, as a lawyer, someone who's defending Canadians and their freedoms, speak to the necessity of good people to push back against this type of tyranny because of things like this, because it's not necessarily just a foregone conclusion and what this means for precedent moving forward. That's an excellent question. I'm really glad you asked it. Because um, I am one of those people. I'm, I'm not a, yeah, we're going to win uh, <laughs> kind of lawyer. And I'm, I'm, I'm really a Debbie Downer. And um, a lot of people are really depressed after hearing from me. I have to spend my experience the last two and a half years. I've been telling people about this from the beginning, yeah. right? Um, you know, we're probably going to lose in the courts, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And yes, we probably will. Uh, the courts in this country have really thrown out a lot of law prior to COVID um, that is inconvenient for the COVID narrative. And that's really disappointing. It's really wrong. It's really damaging. Um, it's really scary. Um, but that's not the end of the story. And this is why, even though I give that message, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a nihilist, right? Um, you know, I'm a believer, right? I ultimately believe that the truth and goodness will, will win in the end because of Jesus Christ. I, I believe that. So, I mean, I can't go around and be like, we're going to lose, we're going to lose, we're going to lose. And, and at the same time, you know, claim to have that hope. I say, we're likely going to lose, but let's fight anyways. And like I've always said, for two reasons. One, it's right to fight. We need to do it because it's right, regardless of the outcome. Two, we can't win if we don't fight. And three, we may win. We probably won't, but we may. So let's go and let's fight and let's do it right and let's fight hard and let's go in for the long battle, right? Let's not be bombastic and say, we're going to win and, you know, all that type of stuff. Let's just grind away at it. And I've been grinding away at it for two and a half years. Um, Dr. Wall's case is, is, is two years old now. Um, and that grinding eventually produces fruit. And it, and it is in this case, right? Um, when we're going through all this publication ban stuff, the prosecutor for the college who was always very aggressive, um, he really stepped over the bounds and I alleged prosecutorial misconduct. Uh, and I, and I, I did so, you know, honestly and reasonably because I thought that he had. You know, and he was, he was crying on the record about how much money the college had spent, that they'd already spent $200,000 um, prosecuting Dr. Wall, as if that's Dr. Wall's fault, not the college's fault. And so I said, look, this is all inappropriate. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to apply to the tribunal to have you removed. You know what he did? He retired in response to that. Okay. I use the word retire. That's, that's what he told me. He retired. He resigned. He retired. Um, so, you know, and then, and then ever since then, um, things have been going better for Dr. Wall, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, yes, the law is on your side and people might not follow it. But there's another aspect of just standing your ground, pushing back, exposing improper conduct, exposing when people don't follow the truth and never giving up. Okay. And that's what a lot of this file has been about, Right. And now, even though there's been publication bans and all this inappropriate pressure and all this stuff, now the college is finally starting to be worn down. They're finally starting to realize, you know what? This is really painful to enforce our COVID narrative on this guy. He's putting up such a defense. You know, he's got experts and he's talking about truth and he's got all the law and he's got all the science and, you know, he's coming after our publication bans. And, and 
it just goes to show that when you work hard and you do it right, you stick at it for the long term, um, you, you can have success even though there's a lot of bias, even though uh, people like to ignore the law. You can, you can, you can have success, right? Um, and I want to encourage people with that because I often give that message of we're going to lose, we're going to lose, we're going to lose. But you know what? If we, if we buckle down and we do it right, we might win sometimes. And um, truth is powerful. And uh, when you come alongside and you believe in the power of that truth and you just keep plugging away at it, uh, yeah, it, it, you, you, you may win in the end. Because if truth is on your side, I mean, you have that inherent advantage the whole way, no matter how much, um, you know, lousy stuff you're facing on the other side. So, yeah, I do encourage people to still use our system even though it's broken and to still hope for the best even though we face all these challenges because good things can happen if you stick at it. And we want, I mean, we want our audience and we want Canadians to hear what you've said and understand the principle behind it, which is we need to continue to push back. We need to continue to fight. I mean, we just feel, we just released an episode yesterday that highlighted two, two separate instances. One, that it might be the pushback from Western students and bringing some high profile people that forced them to postpone the jab mandate. And also we looked at the trucker convoy and saw that it's not a coincidence that as pressure was building you had all of the premiers remove their mandates and you also had a change up in the conservative leadership and so we can see that as we press as we engage as we don't give up we're actually going to see a difference and the reality is you might say it and people have said you know the the government is is trying to say or the state is trying to say it's just one church it's just one pastor and they want to use that as ammunition against us i remember when you were actually defending James Coates, I was listening on the trial and part of the argumentation was, well, why can't they just be like all the other churches? Why can't they just listen and obey like all the other churches? And they want to use that against us. And that's where we need to say, no, 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 we're going to, we're going to stand up. They're banking. You're right. They're banking on a war of attrition that they're just going to wear us down and they're going to eat away at our resolve. And so when we comply, it's over. But what we need to do is we need to be stubborn and good rebellious and we need to be strong-willed in a good way, and we need to keep pressing on. And so I'm, I'm really thankful. You know, James, I remember the conversation we had over the phone a while ago, the initial conversation of, do we do, do we fight the publication ban? Do we not? What's going to be the fruit of it? And we ended up, you know, we got a bunch of feedback from, from listeners and, and, and people who support us saying, yeah, let's do it. I'm all for it. And I'm glad we did. I'm glad we, you know, I'm glad that you brought that up, and I'm glad that you led that initiative because here's another example that if we rally, if we fight, uh, we can see the, we can see outcomes. It may not be the glorious victory we hope to see right away, but it is movement in the right direction. We're pushing back. We're not giving up ground, right? And I'm glad that we're not giving up ground, and I'm excited for not just what this means here, but in other cases that you're involved with as well, that we can hope to keep building on this this momentum. And so what I guess with that, what's next then with the Dr. Wall case? Practically, what's next? Is it a matter of waiting until the decision? What what can we do? What what can we anticipate? So, um, as of right now, uh, like as of a couple weeks ago, Doctor Wall couldn't talk about his experts because the publication ban. Now we can, right? We we can say that look, Doctor Byron Bridal um, was involved in this. Okay, uh, Chris Schaefer, uh, the expert on uh, the harms of masks, was involved in this. Okay, we had a respirologist and an infectious disease uh, specialist. We can talk about who they are, but more importantly, I think is as soon as the tribunal issues a decision, they haven't yet. So they've reserved. We had our argument. Um, 
back in June, I, I gave written submissions in July. That's on the website, 50 page of submissions. Um, so we're waiting for a decision. That's not surprising. It's a big case. Of course, the tribunal has to reserve. I expect it's going to be a few months yet before we're ready to get a decision. So we're, we're, in a, we're in a holding pattern. We're waiting. But the big thing is the accountability now. The tribunal knows. And this is, this is a good thing, not a bad thing. Okay? The courts say this is a good thing. The tribunal knows that the moment they issue a decision on this, the world's going to know who they are. Right now, the world doesn't know who they are. Right now, the world doesn't know who the expert, the one expert for the college is, okay? Those people are still covered under secrecy, but only until a decision is reached. When that decision is reached, if the tribunal doesn't follow the law and doesn't follow the science, okay, and rules against Dr. Wall, we're going to have their decision, we're going to have their names on it, and we're going to know who they are. And that's a good thing because it's healthy accountability. It's not because we can dox them or threaten them. That's not what it's about. The other side always says, well, that, that's what that enables yeah, in rare cases, it does, okay? But what, it, what it's really all about and what really happens most times is that they're held to account in a, in a good way, in a positive way, right? They're criticized appropriately, right? They're, they're held accountable for not following the law and doing what was easy or what was convenient or what was good for themselves or what was consistent with the narrative or whatever, right? And that accountability... The court says very specifically, it's that accountability that, that results in better decision-making. Because now, instead of saying, well, this is, I'd like to go this way and I can get away with it because nobody will know who I am. It's, man, I guess I better follow the law. Because if I don't, everybody's going to know who I am and that I didn't follow the law. That's good. That's called open society. It's called democracy. It's called freedom. It's called everybody knowing what's going on and being involved in things so that we get less corruption and more accountability and truth-seeking. Absolutely. Well, James, <laughs> thank you so very much for coming on, giving this update on this case. It's so very important. And I would just want to encourage those who have donated to the Liberty Defense Fund over at the libertycoalitioncanada.com. You can click on the Donate tab at the top of our page. That makes these sorts of battles that we're getting engaged in that you're leading, James, possible. If you want to see us set more precedent, if you want to see us fight back, not for our own liberties only, but for the liberties of every Canadian citizen, whether they want them or not, these are the, the sort of initiatives that we're involved in as the Liberty Coalition Canada. This is what we're striving to do, not only educate and inculcate these freedoms into you, our listener, listening audience, not only to encourage you, but also to fight with you and to fight alongside you because we're in this together. We need to it, unified with a unified voice, get together and push back against these things because like James said, this hard grind, this long battle, this is all a part of getting the truth out there and we need your help to do that so we would encourage if you haven't yet gone over to libertycoalitioncanada.com and hit that donate tab please do that helps us grow the institution and fight these fights and if you have please continue to support us in these battles it is absolutely necessary and you're as much a part of this win as james or any of us in the liberty coalition canada so we do appreciate your support support james thank you so much for being on again we love hearing from you and we love that you're continuing to fight the good fight uh can 
Is there any more information before we wrap up, James, that people need to know if they want to know more about this case specifically or more about what we're doing on the, at the Liberty Defense Fund? You know, I know some people don't. Um, this isn't really their forte. I do encourage them to read the legal documents we have up on the website. They're there on purpose um, to try to get more knowledge uh, into people's hands about how the legal system works and about where the courts are at and about what the law actually says. Um, that's why, you know, I take the risk of people criticizing the things I've written, um, which most lawyers don't like to do, uh, to put that stuff on the website. And I get it. You know, I got a 50 page brief up there and I got all these other things up there. And some people just aren't going to have the head or the time to read that. But if you do, I encourage you because you can really learn about um, the law and your rights. And I'm, I'm telling you, an informed citizenry is more difficult to control. I've been saying that ever since I've become a civil liberties lawyer is people got to get informed on the law because the more informed they are. Um, the less easy they are to deceive and control and to scare. And uh, I really would like to see that for more um, Canadians, especially uh, Christian Canadians who have kind of checked out from the law and politics. Um, you need to check back in. And, um, you know, here's a lawyer who's, who's willing to give you all the stuff that he's written um, so that you can uh, have a look at it and learn. So I, I encourage people to do that. Well, James, we look forward to having you back on again whenever the decision comes down. One way or another, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what this means for Canadians and for liberty. Uh, for the time being, we know that you're running off to something. Continue to do the good work that you're doing. I'm, I'm exceedingly grateful that you are involved with us and connected with the Liberty Coalition Canada. And I know that we're going to be hearing some more things in the next little bit. Some of the other cases, some of the other work that we're doing to let people know that you know, we're not just we're not just doing podcasts with really colorful backgrounds <laughs> and good looking guys with beards. There's there's more to the Liberty Coalition Canada than that, even though that is quite yes. astounding. We are actually involved. We are indeed a united front for liberty that we are doing. We're doing good work that's unique here. And so I'm grateful to have you to be a part of that. So have a good rest of your day and we're going to have you on Godspeed, soon enough. Brother. Thanks.